Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Closer and closer to Thursday night football. I don't know if that's a good thing, but we're going to talk about it on Weston Walker, the midday show from 12 to 3 right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And as always, we appreciate you sharing your middays with us. We want to hear from you. The text line is 704-570-9610. Again, it's 704-570-9610. And I'm going to hit this thing early and often, man. we got an opportunity for you. Don't miss out on a triple header of exciting college basketball action on November 10th at Spectrum Center. The event kicks off with a first-time matchup featuring hometown favorite UNC Charlotte or the Charlotte 49ers and Liberty, followed by a pair of ACC and SEC clashes as Virginia plays Florida and Virginia Tech takes on South Carolina. One ticket gets you in for all three games. That's three college basketball games for the price of one. Tickets for the Hall of Fame series, Charlotte, are available at Ticketmaster.com. And WFNZ listeners will have a chance to win all day today as each show will be giving away tickets, including ours. So, again, we will be giving away those tickets as well. Uh, Wes, how excited are you about some college basketball taking place on tomorrow night? We got the Panthers game, but we also have Iowa, Virginia Tech. Caitlin Clark is going to be in town. And college basketball is really underway as we got to see the ACC go 14-0, and 0, and it's in full strength right now. Very exciting. Uh, definitely want to see the ladies. I'll be out there covering that game for the ACC Digital Network, so get to see uh, the Virginia Tech ladies and how they're going to bounce back and hopefully make a statement against Iowa and Caitlin Clark, but definitely to see a talent like her uh, be on display. That's going to be a lot of fun as well. You got Duke and Arizona on Friday after the 90s, nostalgia uh, going down. So, yeah, some good college basketball matchups, no doubt. All right, so this is how you win those tickets, by the way. You can text in Niners, N-I-N-E-R-S, only one word. Just text in Niners to the text line, 704-570-9610, and you get tickets to all three college basketball games. Again, Niners, one more time, 704-570-9610. Yeah, we're starting to get into just sports all over the place with college basketball back. NBA is just starting. They tipped off. The Hornets did October 25th, and we're still in the middle of the NFL season. And as Joe Person put it yesterday on Mac and Bone, as Adam Schefter put it on Pat McAfee, even national media, they're talking about the Panthers, Wes. I don't think that's a good thing with what they're saying, but people are discussing the Panthers and how it's going to be a fascinating second half of the, to the season because we want to see how Bryce Young pro, uh, progresses, but we also want to see exactly what's going to happen with the head coach. Could there be another in-season firing with Frank Reich or Scott Fitterer? Is David Tepper going to wait till the end of the season before he makes any decision like that? Still plenty of questions that we don't have answers to, us, and it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Many, many questions to be answered and it's just the development of Bryce Young that's been the topic of a lot of the national pundits heard Lewis Riddick talking about it this morning and how he said that uh, CJ Stroud should have gone number one and you're getting a lot of those comparisons because of the historic rookie season that he is putting together 
Uh, do you look at it like a lot of celebrities look at stuff as any publicity is good publicity or you don't like the publicity that, uh, like you just said, that the Panthers are getting? Because, I mean, at least they're in a conversation. It might be bad, but at least they're in a conversation. Oh, I, I've never I'll, been. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I've never been one that agrees that all publicity is good publicity. Mm. <laughs> I mean, David Tepper can't be thrilled with the conversation happening right now about him. No, not I'm not saying that he's thrilled. I'm just saying that the fact that people are talking about the Panthers because a lot of times if there was no number one pick, let's just say you would have kept Andy Dalton, stayed put, had all the guys that you had, and the record was still the same, the Panthers wouldn't be talked about at all. I mean, I guess that's true. Yeah, we would have been talked about for deciding to go into the season with Andy Dalton and nothing else, but you are right. They wouldn't have been nearly as interesting. And maybe they're interesting for bad reasons, but they are interesting. (laughs) And it's because... We don't know what David Tepper is going to do. And he already made a decision on Charlotte FC's head coach, Christian Latanzio, now out as Charlotte FC's head coach. How do we apply that to the Carolina Panthers? Let's talk about it. Pull up to the scene. Open up the door. Pull up! Mr. Bus Driver, let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Charlotte FC manager Christian Latanzio, who guided Charlotte to their first ever Audi MLS Cup playoff berth in 2023, he leaves after posting a 24 and 24 and 15 record across all competitions in his year and a half in charge. He was originally an assistant under Miguel Angel Ramirez. Latanzio replaced the Spanish Spanish manager 14 games into the Crown's inaugural 2022 season, leading them to an 8-10-2 record the rest of the way. And after a postseason berth, West, the first one in just two years of the franchise's existence, Christian Latanzio, no longer there. Now, my question to you is, is this something that you apply because it is David Tepper serving as the owner of both of these professional franchises? Can you make any applications from what happened here with Charlotte FC and put them to the Carolina Panthers? Man, that's the million-dollar question. And if I had to think about it just right off of the top, I mean, it does show that Tepper for a coach that's taking this franchise to the playoffs. I mean, he's not showing a lot of patience there. He already got rid of one coach there anyway. And Latanzio had gotten an extension through 2024 that had an option for 2025 as well. And so now that doesn't matter. And so, yeah, I do think it it, it gives a little bit of a glimpse into his thinking. Uh, Do I think that Reich's going to be gone after this year? No, but I think the lease for him next season is going to be very short. And we see this with FC, and we know down the stretch there were a ton of ties uh, and games that they had leads, and they didn't end up finishing the deal, and maybe that played into why he did it. But still, I thought that this was certainly a quick move to get rid of Charlotte FC's manager. And so I think it shows that with Frank Reich, there's not going to be a lot of patience there, especially for a team that coming into the season had told us, like we talked about yesterday, all we need to do is drop a quarterback on this thing, and we're good to go. David Tepper's been with the Carolina Panthers, what, six seasons now? And he's been the owner of Charlotte FC, with them being in play for two seasons. Since that time, he's fired three coaches and one GM in season. He's fired more than that, but in season, he's fired three coaches and one GM. He reached his breaking point with Ron Rivera. He reached it with Matt Rule. He fired Marty Herney with two games left in the season after their loss to Green Bay. 
And Miguel Angel Ramirez, remember, <laughs> Ramirez was fired after he said, we're screwed. He was let go after a half season in what the Athletic described, one of the more surprising coaching decisions in recent history. And so with that being so surprising, even if you can use context as to why he was let go, it was still surprising enough for the Athletic to say, yeah, even in recent history, this was something that came as a shock to us. Matt Rule, so this is what I'm interested in. What do the signs look like for David Tepper to go ahead with the decision to fire somebody before the season even ends? Matt Rule was fired after a 37 and 15 loss to San Francisco. They lost to Arizona the week prior, 26 to 16. But the year prior, I mean, the Panthers were getting cooked in the second half of the season every single week. It was bad. Yet he still hung on to Matt Rule. Tepper still hung with him. Now that was after giving him a crazy contract, seven gears, $62 million, but he still hung on to him until they lost a couple games back-to-back. Frank only agreed to a four-year deal, so I wonder if the contract has any bearing on whether you would hang on to Frank Reich at all. We don't know the money. It's believed to be anywhere between five to $10 million a season for Frank Reich. Ron Rivera was fired after a Week 13 loss to Washington. Hilarious, given he's coaching them now and on the hot seat again. But they lost to Washington 29-21. to Wes, that game wasn't a blowout. But if you remember, Carolina started that game winning 14 to nothing, And then they allowed 29 unanswered points before scoring a meaningless uh, touchdown at the end. They lost to Dwayne Haskins, who was sacked five times, threw for 147 yards. And so how did they lose? Well, they allowed over 220 rushing yards to Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson on 23 carries. 220 rushing yards. Mm. So it got bad. And David Tepper decided to move on because I think he wants to beat the other teams looking for those positions to the punch. Is that something that he could do here with Scott Fitter and Frank Reich where we don't know for sure that that's going to happen? We're not hearing any reports that that's absolutely going to happen. But if it gets bad against Chicago, a team that's not very good, and you get beat by a couple of touchdowns against a couple of players that you had on your roster last year, maybe that serves as the catalyst for change with Carolina. Yeah, and I think that it is about how it looks. It's about the optics. I think that if you come down a stretch and you're competing and Tepper gets the feeling like, okay, they're right there, just a couple of tweaks here and there, and he feels like the team is improving. That's the big thing. Is the team going to look like it's improving? Are the turnovers going to be cut down? Is the defense going to uh, be more formidable? Which they'll get some guys back down the stretch, so we'll see. Is the offensive line getting better? Like, how does it look? And if it's looking down the stretch like – it's just going to be bad, and there's so much that needs to be done. Who knows? Tepper could decide to pull uh, the trigger on a firing. That's why I think everybody's asking if this is rock bottom for the Carolina Panthers. I had that question after the Minnesota loss because I knew 0-6 was coming. And so it felt like everybody else did too. You weren't going to beat Detroit. You weren't going to beat Miami. You finally beat Houston to go 1-6, and six, but now here you are at 1-7 and seven after we thought they could beat Indianapolis. And I think that's why all the Panthers fans were so angry on the text line yesterday. That's why I think, okay, because the fans weren't going to be as angry losing to among the best teams in the NFL with Miami and Detroit, if it happens again, and uh, if it happens that ugly, Wes, then I think that's when you could consider, oh, okay, this is the rock-bottom point for the Carolina Panthers because after that, 
this is the three-game stretch that you felt good about. After that, it's Dallas, and we all know what's going to happen against the Dallas Cowboys. Is it fair to say that this feels most rock bottom if they lose to Chicago and they lose to Chicago by more than a couple touchdowns? Oh, no question about it, because it'll be ultimate insult to injury. That would mean that your number one pick at quarterback that you traded with Chicago for uh, is not playing up the par. That means that the guys that you got rid of that are now on this roster, mainly Deontay Foreman, who's becoming uh, a, a steady player for them, and DJ Moore, more than likely had pretty good games. So it's a lot of insult to injury baked into that. So, yeah, I think that that would certainly be something uh, that would make Tepper skin crawl. How good do we feel about Carolina going into this game with it being Chicago on the other side? Is Are we just so disappointed in their performance against the Colts that we don't feel good at all? Because that's how it feels from the fan base. I, I'm... It's weird. If you were to ask me, would you want Chicago after that performance? I think I would still say yes, Mm -hmm. because that's the kind of opponent that you have a chance against. But also, you take the risk that if it goes poorly against them, too, that's back-to-back games against winnable opponents that you just bleep the bed. That's that's why we're having all of this conversation. Well... It was an embarrassing loss on Sunday, and more times than not, when pro athletes and teams, they get embarrassed, they normally come out and respond, and that's why I think this is a very interesting game on so many levels. How are the Panthers going to respond? How is Bryce Young going to respond after what happened on Sunday? You've got an opponent that's right for the taking, and we're going to get into the weeds about what makes Chicago beatable. But this is a team that, yes, you would want them after an embarrassing loss. This is a team that you can, we call it get right games, and it could be a get-right game for the Panthers playing against a team like Chicago that's struggling uh, just as much as they are. And so, yeah, you, you would want this kind of team. You definitely don't want the Chiefs or uh, one of the better teams in the league to be marching in here right after this because then it could get real bad. I wonder if Scott Fitterer or Frank Reich would want that team because <laughs> that would lead yeah. to more excuses as yeah, to why you lose. Yeah. We're playing Patrick Mahomes. Yep. You know what he brings to the table. Look, man, it's Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. But you can't, it doesn't hit the same as, uh, look, it's Tyson Bajan. Yeah. And, you know, Tyson Bajan, the pride of Shepherd University, everybody's going to lose to that guy. Doesn't quite hit the same as Pat. <laughs> Could you imagine if he got up there and said that? Look, David, come on. Did yeah. you see what Tyson did his first right. week? Right. Destroyed the Raiders, man. <laughs> yeah, what happened to the Raiders? Yeah, and that would go south real quickly. It's Weston Walker off and rolling. We'll continue the Carolina Panther conversation. We got some hot seat buzz on ESPN.com. Just how much of a surprise would it be if Frank Reich was fired at all in season? And what does Stephen A. Smith have to say about the Panthers and their decision to take Bryce Young number one overall? It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. studio and gave me a reason to be jealous of the Mac and Bone show because they have a monopoly on the segment read random Willie P tweets and Flounder just gave us a few of them during the break and they're gold and I'm not kidding when I say seriously yes I legitimately like them I like those tweets from Willie P you were kind of feeling a couple of them Fitty said you know what that's actually a really good tweet and so yes We are having fun a little bit at Willie's expense, but also strong tweets. And the random tweets are always the one that goes viral. Those are the ones that go viral, man. 
So I'm with it. One conversation that was brought up because of one of Willie's tweets was that Thanksgiving and the smell that comes with Thanksgiving should be bottled up and used as a fragrance or as possibly a candle to where your kitchen always smells like that, even if you're cooking other food. And Fiddy liked that one a lot. And Wes, it felt like you liked that idea as well. Yeah, I did. I mean, Thanksgiving, does it get any better than that? I mean, you get to smell the seasonings from the turkey coming out of the stove, and then you get the bread and all the different sides and desserts. I mean, it is a plethora of wonderful smells. Fiddy, it seems like you would be a, a consumer of that product. If Willie P went into the candle business and his first thing, his first product on the line was a Thanksgiving candle. It seems like you would buy it pretty immediately. Oh, yeah. I would support Willie's Wax in more ways than one if I got a Great. Thanksgiving. Great. Thank you. I was looking for it. Thank you. That's <laughs> I, very good. I, I got it. And, like, look, I know Yankee Candle, um, like, you know, they invented inflation way before inflation was a legitimate thing. I would pay an egregious amount of money for a Thanksgiving candle. What about a KFC fire log? Oh, God. <laughs> they got it for twenty five ninety nine on Amazon. It uh, still exists. That's what I want for Christmas. Just remember that when we're buying gifts. Okay. I want a KFC. Can you give me a biscuit log as well? Would it just be a dry candle? I could look at that. <laughs> I would like a Wesson Walker Secret Santa or White Elephant on air. That would be a fun segment. I think people would go for that. A KFC log would be great. I don't know if I would like it. I just am a little scared of a fried chicken smelling thing that's not fried chicken because that's I don't know if I can buy into that, but I have to imagine it would smell pretty Is good it because you would be so hungry that you would be going to buy some every time you burned it. Maybe. But also, if it's fake fried chicken, am I going to be able to tell, oh, that's a knockoff. That's fake fried chicken. <laughs> I want the real thing. Yeah. Aaron from Mallard Creek says I want a Bojangles seasoning candle. That would be pretty good. Um I do want to know what what kind of candle you would want from some fast food restaurant because that's an actual thing out there. So you can text us 704-570-9610. Would love to know that. Isn't the the best answer the Krispy Kreme donuts? Like like if, if you mm-hmm. had your room smelling like Krispy Kreme, I don't know if there's any fast food chain that can beat that. Or McDonald's fries. I always love uh, pizzeria. So when you walk into a pizzeria, oh. the way it smells, that smells. It's delicious. a little greasy, though. Right? Is it? I think so. What about you, Fiddy? Somebody that worked at Domino's and had to smell smell the spice, like from the pepperoni and all that. Yeah, there is nothing like, you know, smelling a good pea, you know, a a good, authentic New York slice because they don't all taste the same, (laughs) nor do they all smell the same. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, there's something about a, 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 a pizzeria that it's, it's different. It's, like whenever you go to Domino's, you know you're 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 smelling fast food pizza. Whoa, what a strong take that stopped me dead in my tracks. Leon from Bull City writes in, nothing smells like Subway. I want a Subway candle. Mm, <laughs> well, yeah. it's easy on. People like people like what they like. I was looking at the text line too, though. Trailer Park Thomas said we never read text and respond. Does he listen to our show? Oh yeah, I was skipping over it, but yeah, yeah trailer, I gave him a little bit of time. <laughs> I was I was feeding the beast. Trailer Park Thomas writes in, "Why is it that Bailey Mac and Bone, hell everyone but you midday guys, read text and respond? Why do you guys not like ever? Pretty crappy. I, I mean, we didn't even address us by name either. Everybody else got this show called. Well, look, why couldn't he just? Uh, no, I'm sorry, Trailer Park the Thomas. midday guys. The, the the text that we didn't read from him was, bro, this is Clawson 2.0, but this is it's a long it's a long text. All right, Thomas, yeah. like, I apologize. It's long. We got to move on. So this is why it gets tough. But he thinks you don't this want is, 
That sounds like, yes. Oh, a that, red lobster. That was nice. Man, I don't know about that one. All right, we're all over the place. I want to read this text real quick. It says, 2.0, it's Jimmy Clausen, except the problem is we're not going to get Cam Newton because there's not a first-round pick. Our offensive line sucks. No one ever, uh, no one ever, this is the problem. I can't read your text, Thomas. I'm Go trying. scratch yourself. How do you fix the Panthers? I don't know. We, we need better offensive line pay, play. We need a QB that is, you know, not going to be scared to death of his offensive line. Uh-oh. So those are a couple problems. He's back there. He, I think he's reading some of these texts. A cinnamon candle would be good. Cinnamon candle. Cinnamon. I mean, we got to give it his flowers. I don't know how everybody else feels, but cinnamon has to be just one of the best smells that there is. Like when you come in the house and somebody's making cinnamon anything or something with cinnamon in it. It just smells like love, man. You're saying cinnamon would win in a spice off. Yeah, man. It just smells like love. When you come in there, it's just like, oh, man, this this is good. It smells homey, nice, very nice. Saul has the best text, though. What would a dry brisket candle smell like? Go scratch yourself. Wrong one. I don't know. You You don't want. You would need a humidifier with that candle, though. (laughs) What would a a candle, uh, a 202 number says, what would a candle that smells like a Panthers or Hornets winning season smell like? Would it smell like blood, sweat, and tears? Yeah, well, I mean that that might be a good thing, but also a bad thing like at the a same time. Like a locker room, is that what it would smell like? I don't know. I don't know what that <laughs> smells like. I don't want to know what that smells like. A lot of great texts rolling in here. Bowberry biscuit candle. They smell. They taste like Fruit Loops. Has anybody else realized that before too? That Bowberries taste like Fruit Loops a little bit. Try I've it. Never, I promise this is a thing. It's a life. thing. I promise. It's a thing. Go check it out. Wow. I want more candles, though. Let's move on to the Carolina Panthers. No, not how they might smell right now if they were made into a candle. But we can go to the hot seat buzz. Because as ESPN often does, I think every week even, they'll have Jeremy Fowler, Dan Graziano, a few ESPN NFL insiders go back and forth, conversation-type piece, and discuss who might be on the hot seat, some of the rumors, some of the things that are trending that they might be hearing. And here's something from Jeremy Fowler. There's always one surprise when it comes to a head coach that could be on the hot seat. He says, what should we make of Carolina's Frank Reich, who started 1-7? Do I think he's in trouble at this moment? No. But a a few people I talked to last week openly wondered whether he would be on thin ice. Where do you sit with that, Dan? Dan Graziano responded, like you, I'd be surprised if Carolina moved on from Reich after one season. I wonder a little bit more about GM Scott Fitterer, as it can't be sitting well with ownership, That number two pick, C.J. Stroud, looks so much better so far than number one pick, Bryce Young. But I have no inside information to indicate that owner David Tepper is upset enough to fire people. Chicago, a loss to them and a bad one could mean something different. We played the soundbite yesterday from Adam Schefter saying that's something that could happen because David Tepper, Wes, he's coming off a little like a wild card. And that's something that scares me. With my owner... Never being able to figure him out, never knowing what he's going to do. He shows some patience by holding on to Rivera after purchasing the team. He holds on to Matt Rule longer than the fan base wanted him to. But then he moves on in season so early from a Matt Rule. I guess you move on from Steve Wilkes because you wanted an offensive coach and then offensively nothing is working well for you. It's hard to get a grip on what David Tepper is going to do. And that scares me. An unpredictable, a wild card type of owner. It's not anything that I'm comfortable with. So even if they're not hearing it here, it's something that could happen because of this loss to Chicago that might be on the way in prime time 
when the national perception to this team already isn't very good. And so do you think that this is something one, I know we've talked about it could happen, but would you be surprised if Frank Reich was fired in season, if things continue the way they have been going already? I mean, we've seen guys get fired after one year, no doubt about it. Would I be surprised? I would say yes, because I think I would just be surprised just of the sheer just chaos of it all. That's what that's what would surprise me more. Not the fact that they decided to move on from Frank Wright because things weren't working out, because there are a lot of things going against him uh, at this moment as far as the hyperbole that came out preseason and bringing him in as an offensive coach, but then his offense was far from what was expected. And then saying how he's keeping things close to the vest in the preseason and he's going to unleash uh, not to say that that's the exact words he said, but I'm paraphrasing. But to come out in this offense has been anything but, you know, the dynamic offense we thought we could potentially see coming out of the preseason when they told us that, hey, you know, this is just vanilla offense. It's been vanilla all the way throughout. And so just the sheer chaos of the fact that the Panthers draft Bryce Young, we think it's going to work out. And he's struggling. And then Frank Reich bringing him in and all the things that we thought he would bring, the nostalgia of him being a former Panthers quarterback and everything that's come with it, the coaching staff hires, how much wisdom and experience we felt like they had. And then for him to be gone after the first year, I mean, that would just be like, wow, like what direction are you really going in? Not to mention the money that you're going to have to pay him, the money you're already paying Matt Rule. I mean, it's like, can you get some type of stability? Yeah, no stability. As, especially for us, we like the content. We like oh, yeah, some chaos. Us. As a Panthers fan, I would rather just have a good coach and win football games. That's what I would like. But there is some content to be had during the offseason if you go through another coaching search. But, man, we've had way too many of them so far. Mm-hmm. Even with the Charlotte Hornets a part of this. You know, you move on from James Borrego after four years. Then it's Kenny Atkinson, Psych. It's actually Steve Clifford. We're bringing him back. It's just, it doesn't matter what franchise you're talking about. And Trucker T brings up the point that I immediately thought of while reading that. Trucker T says, wait, wasn't it circulating that Tepper pushed for Bryce Young? Yes, Trucker T. That's exactly what happened. And so it would be not funny for Scott Fitterer, but pretty ridiculous if what is here is true. Graziano writing, (laughs) Tepper can't be happy with the fact that C.J. Stroud looks so much better than Bryce Young when David Tepper is the driving force behind the Bryce Young selection. Maybe Scott Fitterer wanted him too. Smart NFL people wanted Bryce Young as well. But if Tepper is pushing for him, then I have to imagine Scott Fitterer is going to be like, all right, boss man, you're right. I like Bryce Young too. I like to cut his jib. Smart dude. (laughs) Processing. We think he can have success in chaos, like all of that stuff. But yeah, it would be you know, pretty hypocritical for David Tepper to get rid of Scott Fitterer for selecting the guy that David Tepper wanted. Now, maybe David Tepper is saying it's because of what Houston has surrounding them, even if we didn't see it coming, that C.J. Stroud is playing so much better. My GM was unable to do that with the things that were solely his responsibility, and that's why I'm firing Scott Fitterer. Maybe that's the case. Either way, his job is certainly on the line. And what's unfortunate is that Trevor Sikama joined the Mac and Bone show, a part of Pro Football Focus, and said, man, it doesn't even look like Bryce is playing the same brand of football that he did at Alabama. He looks completely different. Here's more from Trevor Sikama earlier this morning. When I watch Bryce Young, the thing that worries me the most is this is not the same player 
that was at Alabama. And I don't really know how we got here with Bryce, but I'm almost to the point where I'm just throwing this entire year out the window because I don't recognize this player that's on the field. What he was is a true freshman at Alabama was like nothing, even from the, the, the I'm sorry, the redshirt freshman year. He's just not, he's not the same player. He, 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 the, the, what he did so well at Alabama was his poise, his play under pressure, his escapability, his decision-making, like all the physical limitations that people want to bring up. Like, okay, he's shorter in stature. You know, he doesn't have a howitzer of an arm like the other guys in the class did. Like, all of that was fine. And the fact that we're seeing some of that on the field right now, that was kind of to be expected. But the part that shocks me the most is he's panicking. He doesn't know where to throw the ball. He doesn't know where to go. He doesn't trust any of his players. And so you are seeing a version of Bryce Young that never existed out of Alabama. What are your thoughts on Trevor Sikkim's comments? I said this before. I said that when you have players that are savants, we talked about the processing and everything that goes with Bryce Young. These guys aren't stupid. And to relate it to basketball, when I talked about the LeBrons and the Rajon Rondos and the Kobe's and things like that, they know when they have the equipment that they need to go out there and do what they need to do. And by equipment, I mean players. And not to say that Bryce is doubting his teammates and he's coming out there automatically like, yeah, man, we got no shot. But he's not dumb. He's sitting out there knowing, man, we're going to have a tough go at this thing with the receivers that I've got. This guy, he knows players' limitations. He knows what they can and what they can't do. And he knows what could potentially happen to them out there on Sundays. Then when he talks about the type of player he is, he looks controlled. He looks like he's being put in conservative situations. Uh, he looks like a guy, when you talk about the Titans, they're top two, three in the NFL in yards per attempt. They're letting CJ let that thing go, okay? Granted, yeah, he's got some younger, faster receivers, a little bit more dynamic. But I told you guys yesterday, the Panthers are near the bottom of the league in completed air yards per completion. They're near the bottom of the league in completed air yards per pass attempt. They are 21st in intended yards per pass attempt, and they're next to last in average depth per target. When your average depth per target is six yards, that tells me that you're playing in a conservative offense. The game plan is dink and dunk, don't lose us the football game. Whereas at Alabama, Nick Saban recognized I have a dynamic playmaker that is a difference maker. I'm going to let him do what he does. He can play within the confines of our offense, but I'm going to let him be the artist he is and paint outside the lines. This Panthers offense is not paint outside the lines because a lot of that is some of the Frank Reich, I've been fired before. This is my last shot. I can't lose this job. Let me call this thing as close to the vest as I can to make sure that we're in games. Let me ride the defense, the old NFL adage. Let me ride the defense and not make mistakes and do all those things. That's what you're seeing here. That's why he's out there not looking like the player that we saw in college. Who trusts who? Because it seems like trust is a problem all across the board. Whether it be Frank Reich not trusting his young QB and Bryce Young, I don't think that he's intentionally trying to sabotage Bryce Young's career. That's not what I mean. Far from it. Frank Reich isn't going to do that because that just brings himself down. Even if you wanted to view that from a cynical standpoint, that only brings himself down. But you might not trust Bryce Young as much as you might trust a C.J. Stroud in that scenario or a Derek Carr. Frank Reich told us earlier this week it has been hard to try to find how to develop a young QB and how to win right now. 
And we saw that offense look better against Seattle when Andy Dalton was the QB and they threw for more yards than they have the rest of the season with Bryce Young going back in there. And Wes, this is the thing. I, I hear Trevor Sikama say all of that. And I go back to Houston where I did see Alabama Bryce a little bit. There was pressure all up in his face. We talked about Icky Kwanu having a terrible game. Jonathan Grenard destroying him. But yet that was the best game of Bryce Young's career so far. And he was playing out of structure. He had, I believe, if you go and you let pro football focus tell it, there were more drops in that game than any other game this NFL season. And yet still, he threw for 235 yards and he was throwing downfield two guys that were either schemed open or throwing in tight windows like the play that he had to Adam Thielen when he had to escape pressure rolling to his left as a right-handed QB. We saw a little bit of Alabama Bryce against Houston. I thought he just played flat out well in that game. I don't need any caveat. I don't need he played better than what he was doing. I just thought he played flat out well. Now, I'm not trying to make him out to be Peyton Manning, but I saw what I saw, and that was a QB that led his team down the field and was throwing downfield more so than he had all season long. And then you see the game where he panics. And then you see what Trevor Sikama is talking about when there's pressure in his face and then he throws it to Kenny Moore a couple of times for pick sixes. Those are the panic plays. But what's unfortunate is that we can't even go back two weeks ago and say, hey, look at that. That was the good Bryce because the most recent thing he did was look as bad as he has all season long. And that's the frustrating part about it. Yeah, and so you also look at it as well. The offensive line plays a part in how this offense has been called. But even in times when they've had time, like the first half against Atlanta, they still were calling a fairly conservative game plan. And when you look at Bryce's biggest plays this season, they've all come from improvising. When things break down, he's gotten out of the pocket made plays. That's what happened in the game against the Texans. The biggest plays that were made, it wasn't necessarily that it was designed to scheme open guys and Bryce to make big throws. It was, okay, this is blown up. Bryce is running out of pocket. Oh, yeah, I see this guy down the field. I'm going to make the throw. Didn't he look good, man? I thought so. Yeah, when he improvised, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was making good football plays now against the Colts that kind of went in the other direction. But I think there's just a plethora of issues that are going on with the offensive line being at the top of that list. But also, too, you know, we don't want to completely absolve Bryce and act like none of this is his fault as well. There are times when he could be better. Like you said, the two pick sixes, those could have been completely avoided. It's not like he was getting crushed and threw the ball and that took some of the 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 speed off of the pass and guys were able to get to it. He was standing upright. Yeah, the pocket was breaking down, but he was standing upright and had enough time to turn and throw without being bothered and through pick sixes, so he's got to be better as well. I never thought I'd say this. I hope Bryce Young plays like Trexler Ivy did in this last outing <laughs> in the second half. Let's talk more Charlotte football, baby. Hunter Bailey makes his weekly appearance coming up next. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Weston Walker back on a Wednesday, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Don't miss out on a triple header of exciting college basketball action on November 10th at Spectrum Center. The event kicks off with a first-time matchup featuring hometown favorite, my very own Charlotte 49ers. Taken on Liberty, followed by a pair of ACC and SEC clashes as Virginia plays Florida and Virginia Tech takes on South Carolina. One ticket gets you in for all three games. Yes, that's three college basketball games for the price of one. Tickets for the Hall of Fame Series Charlotte are available at Ticketmaster.com and WFNZ listeners 
will have that chance to win all day today as each show will be giving away tickets, including this one, and that's including right now. If you text in Niners, N-I-N-E-R-S, if you text in Niners to 704-570-9610, then you have an opportunity to win tickets. It'll register with the system if you only text that one word. While I enjoy everybody texting in intentional typos, like minors, like nines, like something totally different, you will not be registered to win if you do that and you don't also send in another text. So text in once more, Niners, to 704-570-9610, and you have a chance to win tickets to the triple header happening November 10th at Spectrum Center. Speaking of the Niners, let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome Hunter Bailey for his weekly appearance, writer for the Charlotte Observer and the Charlotte Post. And Hunter, I'm interested if you had to delete your story watching the Charlotte-Tulsa game after the Niners came back against the Golden Hurricanes. Dude, I think I wrote it like four times. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> so what was it like watching? Because, you, I mean, look, this offense had not shown any ability to score 17 when they fell to the 17-0 deficit, let alone score more than that to win that game. I mean, it felt over, Hunter. How surprised are you that they were able to pull this thing off? I was shocked, man. I mean, you saw it on, on Twitter. Biff takes off the pullover, pulls the cutoff out. And, I mean, you, you see game really changes from there. Uh, they get a they get a, a strip by Nakai Hill Green right before the half. And then Teron Kelman punches in a touchdown to make it 17-10. to 10, And it's like, okay, kind of interesting, but, uh, but what are you going to do with it? And you hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, they're going into that game averaging like 15, 16 points a game. Uh, the Second half for Oaks were huge, and, and man, did they need that. Hunter, Wes Bryan here, and when you look at Trexler Ivy and what he was able to do in this last football game, 277 yards, two touchdowns total for him, and they talk about that Charlotte has had a, a couple of walk-ons that have come in and become big-time players in that program, Chris Reynolds and Alex Highsmith. When you look at Ivy, do you feel like last Saturday's game was a glimpse of what he can do and the start of something great for him? I think so, man. You talk about building confidence. Like, I mean, they walked right down the field with two minutes left in regulation, and he fumbles the ball on the goal line. And it just felt like this whole comeback story is for nothing. That's the third part of the story, right? That's the one I had to throw away. It's like, all right, I mean, here, here we go. You think he's putting together some Chris Reynolds magic, and then boom, drops the ball on the two. Charlotte's defense comes up huge, gives Ivy another shot. They score in 40 seconds. Defense gives up a field goal, and then they do it all again in overtime. Uh, throw, or Trex actually runs for the touchdown in overtime to give him the win. <laughs> but what, you, what you're looking at for him, right, is he is a walk-on, so you know there's certain deficiencies. You know you have to do certain things. You have to protect well. Uh, he's got to get the ball out. He's just got to burn the ball at times. Uh, and then you have to play to his strengths, right? Short game. I mean, but they were also connected on some big plays. He had passes of 51, 35. Uh, yards in that game, and they even connected on a flea flicker uh, during the comeback process. So you're seeing him kind of stack games where, I mean, his first start against Navy was brutal, right? Shut out, three turnovers, and now you're seeing him put a couple touchdowns on the board, take care of the ball for the most part, and they're going to need that in a desperate bad way against Memphis this weekend, protect the football. Well, Hunter, here we are talking about Trexler Ivy being a walk-on, but Biff Pogey said he won't be for long. He's also told us that we're going to play two QBs. Then he said Jalen Jones is going to be the guy the rest of the way. 
But now Trexler Ivy comes in, wins with a comeback victory. I, can we finally put it in cement? Can we etch it in stone that Trexler Ivy will indeed be the starting QB the rest of the season? I'm not etching anything in stone with these boys. <laughs> not going to lie to y'all. But I do think Trexler is a guy on the the rest of the way. Uh, I think you, if it were me, right, and obviously I'm not a college football head coach, let alone a 63-year-old multimillionaire hedge, hedge fund manager. Uh, but I'm, I'm putting Trexler at quarterback, and I'm putting Jalen Jones in the backfield, man. Or I don't think it worked too great at receiver against Navy when they tried that kind of wrinkle. But I do think Jalen Jones is too good with the ball in his hands to just not play. So I think whatever kind of package that is, I feel like the options are limitless there. But I think if you're going to drop back and throw the ball, which is shown to be one of the strengths of this offense at this point in the season, you're going to have to do that with Trexler. And I think these receivers, I mean, he's roommates with Jairus Mack. He goes for seven seven catches, buck 24, career high. Jack Astaire gets that late touchdown. These are these are people he's very familiar with and has a lot of reps with. And I think that as they continue to grow, I mean, they may have found their quarterback moving forward. I think that they will still scour the portal just to look at other options, whether that be a Michigan transfer, another Power 5 transfer. But I think as of right now, it's safe to say Trexler will get the start this weekend. And assuming good health, he'll get that the rest of the way. All right, Hunter. So Charlotte's offensive line, they're 13th in sacks against, but they've rushed for 150 plus in four of the last five games. And each of the last four games, a 49er has rushed for a career high. Do you feel like that this is an offensive line that is on the upswing and that these guys are going to really start to get it going up front? And I think they're figuring it out. And it's definitely taking some time, right? This isn't necessarily the Big Ten offensive line that Biff Hoji would have crafted if he had his pick of the litter, right? But the pieces that they have, Jasper Parks at right tackle, he's playing great football right now. And then they have another walk-on at center. So the two most important pieces on the field, center and quarterback, are both walk-ons. And that's Isaiah Bullardick, who played 90, or I think it was 76 snaps the most of his career, uh, replacing Johnny King. Uh, so the left tackle, Lucas Gramlich, he's come a long way. Uh, he was a four-year guy at UCLA, played rugby, but never really saw time on the field other than being a reserve lineman and on special teams. So this is his first year of real action. And so it took some time, but I think he's figuring it out. And this group is meshing. And like I say, uh, the, I mean, the end of the season surge has got to start right now, right? And you know who's coming to town on Saturday. Yeah, this Memphis team, top two in the American, and they're number two in offense. And so what are the keys to the game for Charlotte? How can they pull off another shocker and take out Memphis at home? Yeah, two things to watch for the Tigers. Their quarterback, Seth Hennigan, is one of the top in the AAC. He is day-to-day with an injury, a shoulder injury he sustained in last week's game against South Florida. And then their running back, who is their workhorse, Blake Watson, he's good both on the ground and through the air. He is also day-to-day. Um, I would expect they both play. That is something to watch for Charlotte. But with Charlotte, man, they have to make this game ugly. That's their that's their way to win. Uh, Memphis has scored. They're scoring 39.2 a game scored 45 or more in the past three, including scoring 59 in the highest scoring football game of the season against South Florida last week. So you could put points on the board against them, but they're going to score and they're going to score in flurries. So for Charlotte, you got to control that clock. You got to create key turnovers, get short fields for your offense. And like I say, muddy up the game, right? Just dominate the line of scrimmage, find a way to play Charlotte's pace 
and not let Memphis build a big lead because they have firepower to keep going, unlike Tulsa did last Saturday. Hunter, before we get you out of here, let me get your real quick take on Charlotte basketball winning their season opener, beating Maine 69-52. to Yeah, I thought it was a good look for them. Nick Graves coming, I mean, he played sparingly last year, scored 36 total points all season as a true freshman. Comes in 100% from the field at 15 and 5 and was really the primary ball handler, which I did not expect. Uh, the pace didn't really jump off the page like they were talking about. It was very similar to the last season under Ron Sanchez, about 60, 63 possessions, scoring 69 points. Uh, I think that's going to be similar. I think that they need to play Isaiah Folks more as he gets comfortable in this offense because, man, can that dude hoop. And he's a highlight reel. And he'll push the pace for you. So looking forward to seeing more from him as the season goes along. CBI title, here we come. That's Hunter Bailey of the Charlotte Observer and the Charlotte Post joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. He also covers the Charlotte Hornets for the Charlotte Post. He covers a lot here in this city. You can find him on Twitter at Hunter underscore Bailey 45. We appreciate it as always, man. We'll talk to you down the road. Yes, sir. Good to talk to you guys. Let's move on. Talk more college athletics. It's the campus corner coming up next. Is there discipline coming for the Michigan Wolverines and what should it be? That's up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.